we're all we're excited back. and it's exciting and it's all so wonderful <laughs> <laughs> that's our new intro oh. <laughs> Welcome back to Oddities. Welcome back to Oddities, everybody. I'm Cassie. I'm Anna. What and welcome back to there? Strange Town. <laughs> I uh, I like short circuited. It. I didn't think it had picked up, but then it picked up. I don't know. It was all like very weird on my end. I just saw you go completely blank in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got it together. And um, yeah, like I said, welcome back to Strange Town. Welcome back, people who have been here. Welcome new people. Everybody. Welcome residents and newcomers all, and visitors. All the like. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, check out our social media, why don't you? <laughs> why don't you? Why don't you? We got the links below. We also have a link to our merch shop. And when this shop. when this episode comes out, is it November? Oh god. It might be. I don't I don't Ooh, know at this momento. point. I think it is, because I think last episode we were like, it's Halloween. Yeah, oh yeah, November 7th this comes out. We're not recording this then. We're recording this October 17th. <laughs> oh my god, when this comes out, I'm getting married in 13 days. Oh my god. That's stress. crazy. That's so much stress. Um, <laughs> what else was I going to... Oh, we have a Patreon, by the way. <laughs> This is so, yeah, that's, so disjointed. That's way more up to date, by the way. Yeah. If you yeah. guys are ever curious about what the hell is happening, you hear us now, like in the podcast episodes, way after the fact. Yes. Yeah. So if you'd like to be more up to date, uh, and if you'd like to donate to our show, donate to our Patreon. You can do it for as low as a dollar a month, and then you get a bonus episode every week. And access to all the that's former right. episodes. Yep. Yep, yeah, yep, and it's yep. us so, on video, just chatting away. Just shooting the breeze. <laughs> and talking about other cool things. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how how are you? That sweater, jacket, shacket, whatever, it looks so warm and so cozy. It's cute. It's so fuzzy. I got it this weekend It because nobody else can see us. I'm, But I might be wearing it in the bonus episode tomorrow. I'm... Yes. Or Wednesday. Oh God! It's times a flat circle. Sorry, um, <laughs> but it, it's it's like a '70s looking those old school fluffy sweaters, and it's so fucking comfortable. Yeah, it's it's big fleece energy. I love it. Yeah, yeah, because I just felt like I'm just Ooh. in leggings, and I put a fleece on, and I what happened? My microphone almost fell off the table. <laughs> oh, almost took a header. Classic. How exciting! Yes. Um, yeah, but it's it's getting chillier here, so I was I was just like I'm gonna take a walk and I put on a fleece and leggings and that was me, but I'm good. I'm tired. I'm it's Sunday, <laughs> and uh, so I've oh, I have been consuming, which I realized when I was listening to one of our other episodes. I talk about Squid Game. Like, it's brand new, and I'm like, oh, it's been out for a while by the time that episode came out. Oops. But whatever. Yep. <laughs> but by the time this airs, this will have been out for a while, but I saw the new James Bond movie. Oh, was it good? Yes. Uh. It was a good... Well, because, it. I mean, it was good. It's very long. For I anyone that hasn't seen long. it, yeah. pee during the previews, because you... Or okay. you'll end up like me, 
like just like in Casino Royale, <laughs> I was like, you know that feeling when you're like, oh, I have to pee, but maybe I can hold it. Yes. That happened to me in Casino Royale and in this movie. So the beginning of Daniel Craig as Bond and the end of Daniel Craig as Bond. And the next scene that that happened, something flooded. I was like, perfect, oh. I definitely have to pee now. Oh, yikes, yikes. But it was, it was, good. was it a good send-off for him? Because he's, I think he's been a great Bond. He has, I, in my opinion, has been a terrific Bond. And it was a very good send-off for him. We love it. It's very long. There's a lot of cool cars, though. It didn't outrank Skyfall for me. I don't think anything will, if I'm going to be honest. Skyfall was good. How was the, how was the intro song? This was the Billie Eilish one, right? It was so good. Was it? Because I never listened to it. I think I probably can. It's probably on YouTube, but. It's, I love that song anyway. So, and then the, the intro is very cool. So it just, you know, it all just works. Excellent. It was a, it was a very, it was a good way to say bye to Daniel Craig as Bond. And he has been a very good Bond. Well done, Daniel. Well done, my man. You've earned it. Now go on and do more sequels to Knives Out and be real weird, because I love that version of you, too. Go forth and be handsome. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's aging like a fine wine. Dude, I know. I got to get in on that party. How can I age like a fine wine? Ugh, we're already doing it, and that's that. Well, it's done. We've, we're already made it. We're we're doing it. We did it. Uncork we're doing me, because I'm aging that well. <laughs> that's right. How are you? I'm great. This was a really shitty week again. <laughs> just feel like <sighs> just feel like the theme continues. Good news, everybody. Well, it'll have long been over, but Mercury retrograde ends today. Um, so that's nice. Uh, let's see. I have a midterm coming up this week, but Mama's going to kill it. Um, That's right. And in exciting news, I had my hair and makeup trial today, and I'm thrilled. Oh, my God. She is a magician of a woman. Oh, my God. She did... Oh, oh Ted just busted spooky. in. Spooky. She did such a good job. You sent me the pictures, and I was like... <laughs> like, I lost my mind when I saw them. <laughs> I love that for you. Yeah, she... She killed it. I've got, like, these amazing big, like, boho Viking fishtail braids on each side of my head. And, like, my makeup looks good, but I don't look like a clown. So I'm thrilled. No, it's very, everything is, like, very elegant. She nailed it. She nailed yeah. it. Um, so thrilled. Her name is Sarah Linsky. She does hair in the Lancaster, Pennsylvania area. So follow her on Instagram everybody because it's just the prettiest Instagram in the universe and um, if you live out that way did she, use her for things did she post a picture of you or no not yet I think she will though because she um, almost always does Ooh. of her I'm going to be famous <laughs> Ooh, everyone go check out oh, her no. Instagram see pictures of Cass and I'm glowy and it's just so nice um, she did a, or your hair I like zoomed in because I was like what did she even I know. do what witchcraft is this? I know. And I got my hair highlighted yesterday, too. So it all just, like, it all fell looks into great. place. Thank you. We're just big Everything fall energy great. over here with, with this hair. That's it. So that's, um, that was, like, a tray exciting. And I've been looking forward to this for ages. But, you know, it was a two-hour, 15-minute trip each way. And then there was construction on the way back. And then there was an accident on the way back. So I'm a little tired. But I'm all good. I have to say, people... I mean this in the nicest way possible. Mm. People need to get it together with driving. Dude. I don't know what's going on lately. Dude, the traffic on the way back, like, um, so there was the construction, but that actually wasn't that big of a deal. I just took, like, a weird detour. But then, like, 
the accident, it was because it like started drizzling. So everybody lost their minds and there was an accident. Mm -hmm. And then everybody had to slow down and look at the accident. Can I just tell you, if you slow down that much to look at an accident, you're an asshole. Yes. Like a thousand percent. Also, also, then I get to lay on my horn for as long as I fucking want because you're stopping everybody because you want to look at an accident. Yeah, you nosy motherfuckers. And also, if you choose to drive a car that looks like it could be an unmarked cop car, I fucking hate you. I automatically fucking hate you. <laughs> it's so, I hate, like, why would you elect the, to do that? The panic that flows through my body when I see a Crown Vic and I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, oh God. Or like any dark SUV. Also, oh, yeah. I saw a cop car that was highlighted that's pink. I think it's for breast cancer. And I was like, cops should always have to be that color. Oh, swag. Yeah, big time. I don't <clears> think <throat> they should be able to have, now it's just become a... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I don't think they should be able to have the police blends into the side. No, you I don't should think be able... That doesn't seem fair. What if I'm running down the street looking for a cop? I need to see, like, a very obvious fucking cop mobile. I don't, need, right. to be, I don't also, need to be walking and stopping and staring at the side of your car to see if it fucking reads police or looking in your grill to see if there's lights there. Right. Also, if I'm in the left-hand lane and you're coming up behind me, I would love to know if you're just a normal person or if you're a cop. That, too. So... Anyway, that's that's my life, and um, yes, the end. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Oh, the only thing I realized that I'm also watching is the Great British Bake Off's new season is on Netflix. It drops every Friday. Wow, it's good. Oh, we've been watching Baking Impossible, which is like engineering and baking all in one. It's very cool. <gasps> and there's a German engineer on this season of Great British Bake Off. Oh. It's it's so interesting. He. Like, they'll just cut to him, and he'll just be explaining it scientifically, and yep. then they'll cut back to somebody else, and they're just frantically doing it. And I'm like, like that we get to the same goal, but he explains why the science works. I know, and I just, like, I, I get stressed for the contestants when I'm watching I do these. Too. Like, I get, like, full-on, like, sweaty and, like, stressed. <laughs> like, and, I, and, like, soon, and the timer's soon... going, and I'm like, we have to, like, we're running out of time. <laughs> The second they announce that there's like five minutes left, I'm like, shit, everybody hurry up. Everybody dump the sprinkles on that shit. Like, just get that shit together. <laughs> it looks great. Everyone finish. Yeah. It makes me pat. Because I just, what I like about the Great British Bake Off, which I don't see in a lot of American TV shows, is how much they like support and help each other. Yeah, which is nice. Like, I, I get it's really so nice. tired of the weird competition. Like, there's just... I don't know. Like, it's really nice to see like, people like, yeah, you can use my, I don't know, spatula or whatever the fuck they use. Yeah, and there was one episode where the, someone's thing fell apart, and the girl was like, I'll help you. Like, and she came over and was helping her, like, put it back together. It's like, that's so nice. Like, why? It's it's amazing that you're even in this situation. Like, just to help each other out, man. Big time, dude. So, right. That's our PSA. Just be fucking nice. Just be fucking gang. nice. Jesus why don't Christ. you? Christ. It costs nothing, although sometimes it costs me my sanity to be nice to certain people, but here we are. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. Well, this was a hell of an well, intro. I, was. Welcome I, back, gang. Welcome back, everybody. Um, I have another cursed item this week. <gasps> so it's like, uh, I mean, it's like kind of, I guess, a little bit like, goofy. like, it's not a particularly heavy one is yours mine isn't either oh good okay so we're lighthearted and fun it's a light time. episode yeah gang. wow look at us well i had a really dark one last week so ooh. that was heavy yeah yeah and i think i went first last week so okay you should go 
Alright, so today, today, kids, is brought to you by today. the Hope Diamond. The Hope Diamond is a cursed diamond. Cursed. So. Cursed. By the way, you said diamond, and I just recently rewatched Titanic, because it's on Netflix. Oh, man. That movie is oh, a trip. Man. You're here. Here. <laughs> oh, Celine. Celine. Yeah. I have, I, I've keep seeing it on netflix and i'm like i should watch that but like nobody it doesn't matter where, if i'm in new jersey my parents won't watch it with me if i'm in pennsylvania Corey won't watch it with me so i just need time alone to watch it <laughs> to watch titanic i need to watch solitary yeah, time that's it so um okay the hope diamond so i have a little data here to kick us off it weighs Ooh. 45.52 carats oh boy i i so anyway the length is 25.6 millimeters, the width is 21.78 millimeters, and the depth is 12 millimeters. This thing's fucking thick. Yeah, yeah, it's a that's a thick boy. It's a cushion cut. It's a cushion antique brilliant with a faceted girdle and extra facets on the pavilion. None of that means anything to me. Girdle. Um, it, oh, thank God. I was like, this doesn't mean anything to me. And it's like a beautiful, like, dark grayish blue. And then there's, like, it's surrounded Ooh. by, like, 16 white pear-shaped and cushion-cut diamonds. It's, like, very much not Damn. subtle. Okay? This is, like, the opposite well, I of mean, a subtle piece of jewelry. So, I, I like that in a cursed item. We don't like subtlety. No, we like a nice, obviously cursed item. So, um, All right. bits and pieces of what I'm going to be talking about are coming from a, an excerpt of the book The Cartiers by Francesca Cartier-Brickwell. Oh. oh. So, anyway... So, Pierre Cartier, you know, of the brand Cartier. Cartier. Correct. So, he had, like, his New York boutique at, like, the turn of the 20th century, and, like, more and more prestigious clients started, like, roll into this place, right? Um, and he was insistent that the firm remain true to its original aim, which is, quote, we must never lose our current reputation. In other words, we must sell only large jewels. <laughs> <laughs> my god same so with this in mind same. with this in mind in 1910 he invests in a gemstone so large and important that it represented an enormous risk <laughs> and if he couldn't the titanic indeed and if he couldn't sell it he would basically be left with a really sizable dent in his cash flow that could basically you know hamper the entire firm that he was running why and, did he do this i don't know but to pierre it was like, he's like, to Pierre. Pierre! <laughs> Pierre, you shouldn't have come! That's from, um, Singing in the Rain. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god, it totally is. Anyway. Holy shit, that was a great reference. Thank you. Also, Ted just started freaking out. I hear that. Um, same. He's fine. But, uh, so he, he's like, okay, the fame and size of a diamond is everything, basically. And it's like, okay. So several months after he opens the New York branch of Cartier, the company buys the Hope Diamond in Paris, and the gemstone basically changes hands several times in the preceding few months. It goes from Simon Frankel, who is a diamond dealer in New York, then passes to a collector in Turkey, reportedly on behalf of Sultan Hamid of the Ottoman Empire before he was deposed, then oh. onto the French dealer Rossignol, from whom Cartier acquires it for 500,000 francs, which is about $2.2 million today. Jesus. I know, pocket change. So, <laughs> so yeah, so th obviously this was like this mag magnificent gem, <clears throat> but it's like was very hard to find a client who was like wealthy enough to afford it. 
uh, and like fanatical sure. enough about diamonds to need a huge blue one, and then brave enough to disregard a supposed curse that comes along with it, right? <laughs> so, Frankel, the guy who was like, um, he was a diamond dealer in New York, he hadn't been able to find a buyer for seven years, after uh, which time his finances were in such a dire strait that he was forced to sell it at, at like a really just lowered price. Um, but anyway, Oops. according to the legend, uh, there's a curse that attends the owner of the Hope Diamond, a curse that first befell the large blue gem when it was plucked, also known as stolen, from an idol mm-hmm. in India. Guys, why do we have no. to... Why do we have to touch things? Why do we have to take things that aren't... Like, wh- we have been told this from the start. Don't take things that don't belong to you. Stop. Right. This was clearly important. No. It was in an idol. Like, can we not, I don't know, respect this culture? Jesus. Anyway. Also, I like that now we've... I've. Uh, there's a comedian, there's a British comedian that talks about this. He's like, I, I don't understand when people are like, you have to treat everything in the British Museum. He was British, by the way. You have to treat everything in the British Museum with reverence. He's like, why? 90% of this stuff is stolen. <laughs> True. So, um, anyway, the curse basically that came with stealing it, it basically just says, like, bad luck and death, not only for the owner of the diamond, but for all who touch it. Ooh. So, you like my homemade spooky noises um i do also if you're gonna steal a diamond from an idol i hope it's haunted (laughs) for sure like you deserve this you deserve this. you asked for this so whether or not you believe in curses the hope diamond has basically intrigued people for like centuries it's like this perfect quality it's gigantic the color is rare it's just like very strikingly unique and beautiful and its fascination is enhanced by a varied history which includes being owned by king louis the 10 1 5 the 14th <laughs> stolen during the french revolution sold to earn yes. money for gambling worn to raise money oh. for charity and then fo- finally donated to the smithsonian institution where it lives today that's interesting it's been a ride so here's here's like the whole it's really been around huh uh, it sure has so here's like the whole legend behind it, okay so so cartier is like one of you know the famous jewelers in like the universe 1910, he tells the following story to Evelyn Walsh McLean and her husband, Edward, to basically try and get them to buy this shit. Because at this point, he's acquired and he's like, fuck, this was like a risk and a half. So, quote. So, they're like, cool. they're like a very wealthy couple. Uh, Edward was the son of the owner of the Washington Post. Um, Evelyn was the daughter of a successful gold miner. They were vacationing in Europe when they, they meet with Cartier. And according to Cartier's story, several centuries ago, a man named... Tavernier made a trip to India and while there he steals this giant diamond from the forehead or eye we're not sure of a statue of the Hindu goddess Sita not nice don't do that so for this trans also sorry I just have a quick question who is in a place of reverence sees a statue with a diamond in it and is like I'm gonna take it mine who does this I don't know I don't know because I've never like gone to like I don't know a church and be like I gotta have that statue of Jesus Right. Like, like, I didn't go to the Vatican and start robbing the place because there was gold everywhere. Like, what's happening here? Yeah, that's your next By the way, most your next of that trip. is probably stolen, too. Probably. Probably, definitely. So, anyway. Uh, so, Tavernier, you know, steals this. But for this transgression, according to legend, he gets torn apart by wild dogs on a trip to Russia. Bye. Ooh. Be careful what you wish for. So, he goes to Russia and he sells the diamond. So, this was the first death attributed to this curse, right? And there would be many to follow. 
So then he tells the McLeans about about this other person, Nicholas Fouquet, who, who was a French official oh. who was uh, executed. Then there's Princess de Limballe, who was beaten to death by a French mob. Louis XIV Jesus. and Marie Antoinette, who were beheaded. In 1908, Sultan Abdul Hamid of Turkey purchases the stone and subsequently loses his throne and his favorite Subaya wore the diamond and was slain. Greek jeweler Simon Mont- Montiarides was killed when he, his wife, and child rode over a precipice. The grandson of Henry Thomas Hope, for whom... What? Yes. The grandson of um, Henry Thomas Hope, for whom the diamond is named, uh, dies penniless. And then there was a Russian count and an actress who owned the stone in the early 20th century, and both came to bad ends, but it didn't tell me, like, details. So... Yeah. I'm very curious about the stone the statue that the stone was in like what that god is oh that's a good question i used to know a lot of this because i took several um history of india classes and like he used to teach us about all the gods and goddesses like in hindu and it was so cool so let's see sita because i'm just curious if there's a vengeance streak because that would be hilarious that would be like really tight um so she <laughs> would be really tight. she is the goddess of wealth and prosperity. Oh, bye. Oh, yikes. So, um... This is why you don't rob people, gang. For sure. There is a researcher, his name is Richard Curran, who reports that many of these stories that, like, Cartier was telling the McLeans about were actually just, like, misleading and were flat-out lies. Um, (laughs) in her memoir, quote, Father Struck It Rich, Evelyn McLean writes that Cartier was very entertaining... Um, quote, I might have been excused that morning for believing that all the violences of the French Revolution were just repercussions of that Hindu idol's wrath. <laughs> so, <laughs> how much of this story is actually true? Um, the blue diamond was first found by uh, Jean-Baptiste Tavernier, who was a 17th century jeweler, traveler, and storyteller. Okay, why can't we like have jobs like that anymore where it's just like, I'm a traveler and storyteller. I would love to be a traveler and a storyteller at a fun fair. I want that to be my job title. Big time. So he wanders the world between 1640 and 1667. He's looking for gems. And of course, he steals this diamond. Um, at the, Fucked up. At the time, it was an uncut 112 and 316 carat blue diamond. Gigantic. Um, he arrives back in France in 1668, where he's invited by King Louis XIV to visit him in court. Uh, describe his adventures and sell him the diamonds. So he buys this diamond. So check, check. Um, But Tavernier actually, like, he was made a noble. He wrote several memoirs. And he actually died at the age of 84 in Russia. But I don't know anything about being torn apart by dogs. Ah. Yes. Boo. Then, 17... I'm sorry, 1673, King Louis XIV decides to recut the diamond to enhance the brilliance. So then it becomes 67 and an eighth carats. And he names it the blue diamond of the crown and often wears the diamond on a long ribbon around his neck. So you wear the blue, you call it the blue diamond of the crown, but then you wear it on your neck. But I guess it's like the crown as in like yeah, the royal right. family. Like him. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. 1749, Louis XIV's great grandson, Louis XV. <laughs> <laughs> We're very inventive. Very inventive. Uh, was king and ordered the crown jeweler to make a decoration for the Order of the Golden Fleece using the blue diamond and the Cote de Bretagne. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Um, and the resulting decoration was like very ornate, which is like classic them. 
So then Louis the Fifteenth mm-hmm. dies, and his grandson Louis the Sixteenth becomes king with Marie Antoinette. Um, and then it all goes to shit. And then they're beheaded, uh, but not because of the curse, but you know the whole reign of terror. So yeah, you know there's that. Then yeah, the fact that they were building a big castle made out of mirrors, and everybody was like, and everyone impoverished was dying. and starving and dying. Yes, yes, it couldn't possibly yeah. have been that. It was only the diamond. So the curse. Um, then the crown jewels during the reign of terror, you know, are are taken from the royal couple after they attempt to flee France in 1791, and they are placed in the royal storehouse known as the Garde. I'm gonna fuck this up, Garde Meuble de la Caronne, but they were not well guarded, in fact. And oh. uh, this place was repeatedly looted, and um, <laughs> though most of the crown jewels were soon recovered, the blue diamond was not, and it disappears, and then it resurfaces. Oh, in London in 1813 and was owned by a jeweler named Daniel Eliasson uh, by 1823 and it isn't certain that the blue diamond in London was the same one that was stolen but it was gigantic so and like very rare and I kind of think that there's probably not a lot of these so I'm going to go with like yeah also they're like neighboring countries so it's really not that far-fetched anyway King George IV of England buys the blue diamond from this jeweler and upon King George's death the diamond is sold off to sold to pay off his debts. So why is it called the Hope Diamond? In 1839, or maybe a little bit earlier, this diamond is in possession of Henry Philip Hope, one of the heirs of the banking firm Hope & Company. Hope was a collector of fine art and gems, same, and he acquired the large (laughs) blue diamond that was soon to carry his family's name. He had never married, so he left his estate to his three nephews when he died. And the Hope Diamond went to the oldest of the nephews, Henry Thomas Hope. He then marries, has a daughter. The daughter grows up, marries, and have fi- has five children. What a cakewalk. Um, and then, oh, my God. Sounds awful. Yeah. And then Papa dies in 1862 at the age of 54. And the diamond stays in the possession of Hope's widow and her grandson, the second oldest son, Lord Francis Hope. Oh, now they're lords. But then this guy, Lord Francis Hope, has a gambling and high spending problem, and he asks permission from the court in 1898 to sell the Hope Diamond, but his siblings oppose the sale, and his request was denied, so he appeals in 1899, and it was denied again. And then in 1901, on an appeal to the House of Lords, Francis Hope was finally granted permission to sell the diamond. Then Ah, third time's a charm. Yes, and then it makes its way to Simon Frankel, who... Uh, buys the Hope Diamond in 1901, brings it to the U.S., and then changes hands several times, including the Sultan, the actress, the Russian Count, if you believe Cartier, ending with Cartier himself. And he felt... Hmm. He felt? He felt. He felt. He felt. He had a buyer in Evelyn Walsh McLean, who had first seen the diamond in 1910 while visiting Paris with her husband. Um... She had previously told Cartier that objects that were usually considered bad luck turned into good luck for her. And in his pitch, Cartier then emphasizes the negative history of the diamond. Um, But since she didn't didn't like the diamond in its current mounting, so she turned him down. So then Cartier comes back to the U.S., asks her to take the Hope Diamond for a weekend and just, like, test it out. Like, just test drive this huge rock. And... Um, he had reset it into a new mounting and hoped that she would grow attached to it. And he was right, and she buys the diamond. So, when Evelyn's mother-in-law hears about the sale, she, like, loses her shit, right? She's like, oh, my God. 
Evelyn sell it back to Cartier, um, and then who sent it? So then Cartier sends it back to her, and then sues to get the McLeans to pay the promised fee for it. And once that's cleared up, Evelyn McLean wears the diamond constantly. And according to one story, it took a lot of persuading by Mrs. McLean's doctor to get her to take off the necklace, even for a goiter operation. So she just like oh she just wore this like Hulk of a diamond for good luck. Um, and let's see, her firstborn son dies in a car crash when he was nine. She su- oh dear. she suffers a major another major loss when her daughter commits suicide at age twenty five. In addition oh to all God. of this, her husband was declared insane and confined to a mental mental institution until his death in 1941. So the shit hits the fan for Evelyn in, like, several ways. So it's literally just her and the diamond. Yep. And though she had... That's horrible. She had wanted her jewelry to go to her grandchildren when they were older. Uh, her jewelry was actually put up for sale in 1949, two years after her death, in order to settle debts from the estate. So then, it goes on sale in 1949... And was acquired by the famed New York jeweler Harry Winston, who we've all heard of. On numerous occasions, Winston offered the diamond to various ladies to be worn at balls to raise money for charity. And then he donates the Hope Diamond to the Smithsonian Institution in 1958 to be the focal point of a newly established gem collection, as well as to inspire others to donate. On November 10, 1958, the Hope Diamond travels in a plain brown box by registered mail and was met by a large group of people at the Smithsonian who celebrated its arrival. And uh, hmm. the Smithsonian receives a number of letters and newspaper stories suggesting that the acquisition of such a like negative, like problematic, like bad stone by a federal institution meant bad luck for the entire country. But Oops. now the Hope Diamond is currently on display as part of the National Gem and Mineral Collection in the National Museum of Natural History for all to see. The end. Wow, that's wild. I know. So it really did, like, you know, Cartier, I guess, like, spun a lot of shit at the beginning to try and get, like, Evelyn to buy this shit. But then she yeah. really was hit with, like, you gotta say some bad luck there. Yeah, for I mean, sure. her son dies also, in a... hell of a sales pitch Dude, from Cartier. Party, yeah, Partier, I was gonna say. That works, too. <laughs> Partier, 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 yeah. yeah. He, um, yeah, but like, I mean, her, she loses her son at the, when he's nine, then her daughter commits suicide, and then her husband goes insane, and it's like, Jesus. I mean, look, the kid dying at nine is a terrible, terrible accident. Like, the daughter committing suicide possibly could have stemmed, like, that could have, like, really triggered, like, a very severe depression, maybe. And then, like, the dad lost both of his kids, and he just lost his shit. Like, I could kind of see where they could all feed into each other, but honestly, that's just, like, that's a rough go of it rough. for that family. That's yeah. rough. Yeah. Oof. And that's the Hope Diamond. I, it's spookalabook. Wow, that's wild. I feel like what's the the most interesting thing, and I also have to go back to, to the joke I said earlier that's a quote from a British comedian, because I'm not <laughs> saying museums are bad. I love museums, and I love everything about it, and we should have high reverence, but also people should stop stealing things. But what but I thought also, was interesting... Yeah. Stop stealing things and then just saying it's yours. Finders keepers is not a thing. Right. I, the guy who took the diamond lived a really long time, especially for that time period. Yeah, Trevernier, the one who, who Cartier was like, yes, and then he was eaten by wild dogs on his trip to Russia. The guy lived until he was 80 fucking four. This is like 1900. And that's so long for then. I know. That's weird. I know. So he he did all right for himself, I guess. I mean, that guy ended up becoming like 
I think he, he, did I say he got like, not like knighted, he got like, um, he became like a, like a, like An nobility. OBE. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. you know, whatever, so. Yeah. <laughs> OBE, I go, like it's now. <laughs> that's it, that's exactly right, so. But that, that's, that is that's the, so uh, interesting. Crazy history of the Hope Diamond. I, that thing's been through a lot of hands. Like that. Sure has. That, that's had a ride, and it went from being this hundred and twelve carat thing to now it's down to like forty five and change. That's wild. And they just kept like chipping away at it. Why would you do that? Like just why leave would it in you its do that? Gigantic glory, and also put it back in the fucking statue. Why don't you? And like let's all just like I don't know, idolize it from there. Let's not take what isn't ours. I know they pissed off Sita. That's it. But it's that's so interesting, and I realized. <laughs> We were. I was talking about Titanic by accident, but that diamond, I think, was like similar to it. I think so. Yeah, because if movie. you look at pictures of the Hope Diamond, it looks like, like the yeah. what, what do they call it? The heart of the ocean or whatever the fuck they call it. Yeah, and then she fucking hucks it into the ocean. Yeah, and she just makes that tiny little like oop noise when she does it, and it's like bitch. Towels, and that's it. Bye. Yeah. So, but anyway, the Hope Diamond is gorgeous. Wow, that's I have crazy. Thing, I have a thing for like blue gems. I love sapphires and this one's like a it's like a this diamond is it is like a gray blue they described it well it's beautiful that's I'll tell that's you what, very though, interesting it's not meant for people who wish to just kind of like be low-key and subtle i mean this is a this is a hulking you know yeah it's, it's a sizable gem so that's the curse of the hope yeah. diamond is it really cursed i don't necessarily think so but that's some pretty crazy shit it's not quite as crazy as james dean's car though that was bananas and actually, when it disappeared and then reappeared, I was like, oh, this is some James Dean James car shit mm, right now. Yeah, maybe James Little Dean, bastard, here he comes. Maybe a little bastard wore the, wore the gem for a while, just like, you know, in I place of its it. little Porsche-like insignia. It was just the gem. Fashion. <laughs> yeah. Fashion. I'm a, uh, I had a friend in college who had a Transformer thing on his car, and when he, like, the front, and when it would turn on, it would light up. Neat. That's pretty cool. And I feel like that was little bastard. Like the gem just lit up in the front. I think you're probably right. Yes. So. That's it. Well, I am going to go into the rock world. Oh. And I'm going to cover New Grange. Okay. I was on on our oddities Instagram because I don't have social media. I was on Barstool Sports Instagram because some of the greatest videos alive come out of Barstool Sports. Shockingly, it's, like yes, it's like there there was one video that was just a kid running in a funhouse and just slams into a, a I love that um, a mirror and it was like funhouse mirrors remain undefeated. That was the caption. <laughs> so I anyway, so on Barstool Sports Instagram, I found the sweetest video alive which was an Irish woman is like holding a lens from like sunglasses and she goes up and like taps this guy on the shoulder and she's like, I think I found your lens. And he turns around and he's wearing sunglasses with one lens out and one lens in. (laughs) And he's like, really? He's like, we're having a Cinderella moment. Should we see if it's a match? And I was like, this is so cute. And it was from the best of Ireland Instagram. So I clicked on that and that's how I learned about Newgrange. Oh, wow. So what here a little, we are. A little mini rabbit hole. Okay. Yeah, so shout out to Best of Ireland Instagram. Also, Ireland, I'm coming for you. I swear to God, I'm coming. Me too. I so badly want to go. So, in 
Ireland, an hour north of Dublin, is a wonder of the prehistoric world known as Newgrange. It's six centuries older than the oldest pyramid in Egypt and 700 years older than the stone circle at Stonehenge. Wow, really? This this motherfucker's old. This is an old-ass bitch. Okay. So it's a Neolithic monument that was built around 3200 BC. Okay. Central to a prehistoric complex known in Irish. I can't say it. But it's the Palace of the Boyne. It's a passage tomb that consists of 200,000 tons of material and has a footprint of over an acre. Wow. It's big. That's sizable, yeah. And although the belief is that the Irish natives built this structure, there were a lot of theories that have come forward over the years. They thought Vikings, Phoenicians, Egyptians, Romans, everyone thought these were the builders of Newgrange. In 1699, Charles Campbell comes across an overgrown mound of stones on his estate, and he thought it was just like a quarry, so he was like, whatever. And then he discovers a colossal decorated stone guarding an entrance to a passage. Ooh. And that's how he rediscovered Newgrange. Oh, surprise. So he's just out on his estate, and he's like, oh, that looks like a quarry. And then he's like, what the fuck is what that is symbol drawn into that? Yeah, wow. What a day for him. So he, for real. So he and his men were probably the first people in thousands of years to step inside. Which is wild. Yeah. To think about. Yeah. Betcha that air was a little stale. Oh my god. You're just like... (laughs) (laughs) So there were a ton of different measurements of the whole area initially and a ton of different opinions on the origins of it. Early 18th century investigator Thomas Meunier (laughs) claimed to have seen a large stone shaped like a pyramid, which has never been seen since. And Thomas Pownall, who was another investigator, was convinced that the cairn was originally a much taller pyramidal structure. Mm. But because they think, which I'll talk about this later, but because they think that so many people have been in there and there's been like, they think reconstruction has been done or time or whatever. They think the original building is, they have no idea what it looked like probably. Yeah. Well, I believe that, which is wild. Yeah. So many of many antiquarians, which is a hilarious word. I love that. Many antiquarians made important contributions around this, but George Petrie hoped to reestablish the link between the monument and early Irish literature, which I will talk about because they tie a lot of myths into this, which is interesting. Okay, because I was like, where are we going with this? Okay. Yeah. But so this is what they could all basically agree on was that it was not just a large mausoleum, but rather something of greater religious significance. Okay. Which is... Okay. That's cool, yeah. In 1786, in a survey that was done, the tomb was described as an artificial, quote, cave of the sun, which was linked to Chaldean sun worship. And even though Chaldean wasn't necessarily correct, the link to the sun was relevant. Because from 16... Damn it. From 1962 to 1975, Michael O'Kelly called Newgrange and the nearby area the cathedrals of the megalithic region. (laughs) And he basically concluded that it was, for the Neolithic people of Ireland, a place of great religious importance. And it was connected not just to sun worship, but also to basically a cult of the dead. That's what he thinks. A cult of the dead? Which, 
I great band name. I love that. This is like big oddities energy. I'm thrilled by oh, this. Right? Wow. So well, that's so strange because I feel like those two don't necessarily go hand in hand. Like, yeah, we'll worship the sun and also the dead. Like, I just feel like it's. I feel it's, like it should be like the moon and the dead right? or something. It is. Yeah. It's yeah. An interesting like juxtaposition there. Yeah. So they thought that there were various kings and potentially heroes buried there because of oh. the way it was built and the way the passages were like everything seemed like regal almost okay so o'kelly described it as a house of the dead because there was waterproofing that it indicated a consideration for those living inside hmm which that there was waterproofing in Brilliant. this place is Brilliant. outrageous to me and yet our basements are flooding and all so i'm just gonna leave that there so good lord they don't build them like they used to they sure don't so irish tradition and this is where we tie in some myths and some literature here irish tradition says that newgrange was the home of the dagda who was the chief of the i can't pronounce it and i'm not gonna butcher it i'm sorry i'm trying to come visit ireland i don't want to offend you all (laughs) but i'm not gonna let you through (laughs) Yeah, they're going to be like, get out. We heard your pronunciation. I'm sorry. So they were, the doctor was the chief of a race of supernatural beings that was said to have inhabited ancient Ireland. Oh, big fan of that. Mm -hmm. And recent genetic research backs up this to an extent because Newgrange's place in mythology as the home of God Kings, which is Hmm. interesting. Hmm. A Dublin-based 2020 study analyzed the remains of a man who was found interned there. The results revealed that his parents were probably brother and sister. Oh. I'm gonna vomit. Oh. Not surprising, though. Like, that was, you know. Right. So they think because he, this person that was interned there, was born of a sanctioned incestuous union from this time indicates that he was very likely royal or from an elite group. Exactly. Yep. Which is interesting. That sounds right. And in 67, O'Kelly rediscovered something called the, that they named the roof box. They weren't sure why it was built, but they realized when they experienced the now famous illumination and was the first person five millennia to do so. Every winter solstice, the rising sun shines through a small aperture in the structure and travels 18 meters into the main chamber, flooding it with brilliant light for 17 minutes. Amazing. They really don't build So that build was purposely like built to. like that. I know. God, everything was so much... We suck. Like, we have just gone... <laughs> we've just gone downhill so much. Like, minus the incest, because, like, I think we've gotten better about that. But, like, you know. Let's hope. Let's hope. But, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Everything was just, like... Everybody was smarter than we are. I'm just going to leave it at that. And a 1989 astronomical study concluded that it was a deliberate part of the design by the Newgrange builders, which is why they think it's called the Cave of the Sun. I just, like, love how people built entire amazing structures based on, like, celestial bodies. Incredible. Right. Amazing. I can't imagine being the person that's being told to build this. You're like, why am I putting this hole at this height specifically? And I'll just be like, you'll see. (laughs) See? Wait for the winter solstice, bitch. (laughs) Wow. So let's talk about the builders. So results from this 2020 study contribute to the current theory that 5,800 years ago, Ireland was colonized by Iberian descendants of West-moving Anatolian farmers. 
They were migrating to the island via the western fringes of France, and these Neolithic agriculturists soon came to dominate the existing Mesolithic hunter-gatherers. But they didn't eliminate them. They were believed to have assimilated with them, which I feel like is way more common than we talk about. I think it is, yes. So this theory of these people moving in, along with the God King theory of 2020, demonstrates that these relative newcomers established a ruling dynasty that buried its most senior members at Newgrange. Hmm. That interesting? interesting. That is. I I like it because it combines, like, science and myth and just, like, melds it, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very cool. I feel like this whole structure has Tomb Raider energy. Yes. Right? A thousand percent. Doesn't it? Like, with the whole, like, you know, solstice shit and... I don't know, I just, I, like, yes. big Lara Croft vibes. I feel like if, if you go in there with, like, a certain grain of sand, you can stop time and shit. Yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like Big time, big time, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're saying that the Vikings or the Romans were certainly not responsible for building Newgrange as it predates their presence in Ireland by over 3,000 years. Oh. So we're out. Okay, well, yep. There was a myth that it was, there was a Pharaoh's refugee daughter that was there because... Some of the grave goods found in 1955 were said to be similar to that of Egyptian artifacts from the time of Tutankhamun. That's wild. Right? Yeah, talk about a change of uh, scenery. For real. I mean, I think it's... They were said to be similar. Yeah. Might be a stretch. Okay. But it's still interesting. It is, yeah. Even though there is evidence to suggest that Phoenicians may have visited the British Isles as long as... As long ago as 2000 BC, there is no substantial evidence to suggest that there was contact or settlement in the area or at the time when New Grange was built. So they're okay. like, mm, probably not. Okay. Still cool. In, and, the, and then in 2018, an academic book was like, there's no evidence of Phoenician contact with Ireland. We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is defaulted. Good night. Just erase it and pretend it didn't happen. That's right. You guys are wrong. Bye. Bye. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> big time. So controversial Scottish explorer Lawrence Waddle suggested... <laughs> dumb. So stupid. So dumb. So stupid. Suggested by some to have been an inspiration for Indiana Jones. So you know that episode's coming. Oh, this belongs in a museum. Well, it belongs. They're taking us back to Berlin. <laughs> Wrote in 1929 of symbols... Quote, engraved on prehistoric cup mark stones at Newgrange in the Boyne River near Drogheda, which are essentially replicas of the same pictograms as in the early Sumerian and Hittite sacred seals, unquote. However, even though he was quite highly regarded in his day, he has been widely discredited, with modern academics regarding his theories as eccentric at best and dangerous at worst. <laughs> ah. Ah. I love that description. Me too. Eccentric at best, dangerous at worst, my autobiography. (laughs) Big time. Big time. So while the evidence at the moment seems to suggest that it was the people of Iberian French coast descent who built Newgrange, the indications also seem to support the fact that these people were, by 3200 BC, sufficiently established on the island to no longer be considered new in the sense of them being like, colonist builders okay like they're they're they've been there too long right they're the people there now yeah so technically maybe them being native irish people is correct sort of kind of right okay 
but no one knows how they brought the stones to the site. Other researchers claim that the original building was different, but no one will probably ever know that either. They'll never know how many people labored in its construction, how long it took. They won't know the meanings behind the the symbols that are on the megalithic the things, the structures, because <laughs> there were apparently <laughs> chevrons, swirls, lozenges, spirals. They were all over these heavy stones, so they don't know if the rocks were performing a function or they were just decorative. And they don't know if there was any astronomical or religious significance. They can only speculate. And they have no idea why some designs in particular were hidden from view. Wow. It kind of makes me sad Other- that we're never going to know. Right? Like, how, also, how many, like, amazing things? It's just things, a big like, mystery. Yeah. <sighs> and that's what I have on Newgrange. That's so cool, though. What an awesome structure. Do they have it, like, open for people to go check out or no? I think so. Because, like, if if we ever go to Ireland, either together or on solo trips, we should definitely check it out. Yeah, I think you can go. It. it I seems, would see it. I. What I think is interesting is that all of these like Stonehenge and Newgrange and all this shit like they have literally no idea how anybody did this I know it's amazing how they moved all the rocks I'm telling you everybody was better than we are (laughs) (laughs) they made it fucking waterproof inside I know and we fucking get leaky basements I I have nothing to say on this matter other than we are going downhill we are not evolving. Going downhill quick. We are not evolving for the better. Like, we, our heyday's gone. Like, we missed it. We missed the boat. We're just a bunch of idiots now. <laughs> we've plateaued. That's they say it. that in Westworld. I've never watched that Westworld. That we've plateaued. Oh. Oh, Cass, you should. Yeah? Oh, it's so interesting. And Anthony Hopkins gives the performance of a lifetime in that show. Oh, he's a great actor. He is. One of the best. I think yes. Wow. So, New Newgrange. What a when you said for some reason when you said that I thought it was a type of music, I don't know it sounded like it was gonna be like some sort of <laughs> offbeat kind of music. This is not at all what I pictured because you were like, so I'm gonna be talking about rock today, and I was like, music. Oh, fair. That's fair. No, I meant literal rock. <laughs> so like, it's a good yeah. time. And then you started talking about this like amazing, incredible structure, and I was like, ah, so it is in fact not music. <laughs> So it is, in fact, a structure they know nothing about. Exactly. That's a really cool topic, Which though. is very, very interesting. Yeah, so big shout-out to Best of Ireland Instagram. Indeed. How have we not qualified, like, some shit like that as, like, a wonder of the world? Like, Right? You know, I just feel like there are so many incredible things that should probably be considered that. Also, I find it interesting that we learn about Stonehenge and not this. And this well, is yeah. older than Stonehenge. I don't know. It sounds kind of cooler. I mean, I've been to Stonehenge. I loved it. It was amazing. I geeked out, like, to the nth degree. I bought a million books about it, and they're still, like, on my shelf. But, like, this sounds, like, really, really amazing. I also think it's very... Which we've talked about this excessively on this podcast, but I always think it's so interesting how we view death and how differently humanity has treated it over the years. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. Well, you know, I love talking about dead people. I could talk about dead people all day, so. All day. Said the normal and not creepy individual, and <laughs> here we are, so. <laughs> and on that note. And on that note, everybody, um, this was a fun episode. 
It was. It was nice and light. It was light. We needed a little, I think, a little brightness after a heavy That's week right. last week. Yeah, and now, you know, spooky season's over. Let us know, guys, if you want us to do anything creepy for the holiday season. I'm sure we can. We did last year. We did, like, kind of like a series of. Yeah. Like, strange lore, kind of. Yeah. I love that. It's very, I, think, I think that there's so much quiet weirdness around the holidays. Big time. I love a spooky take on the holidays. And, uh. Me too. Yeah. So, in the meantime, don't buy any giant gems because they might be cursed and somebody probably stole it and shame on them. Yeah. That's right. Or they're going to huck it into the ocean. <laughs> yeah, and just go, oop. Like, it was just like a little, like, oopsie-daisy. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> See ya. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you've if you been to Newgrange, or if anybody's, like, heard about it before, like, let us know. We'd love to hear about your experience there. Yeah. That shit's probably haunted. Oh, yeah. Big time, right? Like, and ghosties. I'm talking, like, ye old ghosties. Spookalabook. But, yeah. And Which means I've... I feel like they'll have more power. They can fuck you up. Oh, for sure. Like they're not—they're like uber ghosts. They're not even just like your average <laughs> ghost. Like they—like ha- they can do shit. Um, they probably look like the That's guy right. when they went into the mountain in Lord of the Rings. That's what those ghosts look like. I feel like. Oh my god. You feel yeah. the Belrog? Oh no, I'm talking about—I'm talking about like the guy in the third movie, and like he's like, redeem oh. yourself or whatever, and yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That—that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. That- the king that didn't show up and so he was cursed forever right exactly but the balrog can come too like yeah he can party that's fine yeah he can party but anyway (laughs) I digress as per usual and (laughs) until next time stay strange